you are glad we only have one God. Can you say amen? Man, he is God. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Our text will be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll get there in just a moment. But if you'd go to Acts chapter number 20. I want to thank West Coast Baptist College for allowing me to come back for a couple weeks. And I count it an incredible honor, privilege, and responsibility to be able to have three opportunities left to speak to you. And that's not including the banquet. I do believe that, uh, the personal opinion, that uh, my favorite, maybe say it that way, my favorite promise in the Old Testament is Jeremiah 29, 12. Uh, and that it has to do with an expected end. And by the way, that's not death, okay? Uh, God's got a will, a plan for every one of you. You will want to come to the banquet for no other reason than to hear about Jeremiah 29, 12. And I really mean that. Uh, it will be a great encouragement to everybody uh, that's here. I was a sophomore, 19 years old, kind of struggling with a lot of things in my life. I was at Christian college and a guy came in back then. He was a young evangelist. His name was Jerry Savinsky. Jerry Savinsky preached 25 minute messages. That's all he ever preached. I think he's still preaching and uh, he's probably going to go a long time because he has preached so short. But anyways, uh, he preached 25 minute messages and he just had such energy and just such enthusiasm and uh, it was a Wednesday night, and I don't remember what he preached on. But I do remember Jerry Savinsky was preaching, and I remember sitting there and saying, Dear God, I just want to be in ministry all of my life. I just want to do what that guy's doing. I didn't, I, but I wasn't thinking preaching then. I really wasn't thinking like, I want to preach like him. I want to be an event. I just want to be in ministry. I want to have the excitement and the joy that Jerry Savinsky has. I want to do that the rest of my life. I don't remember the exact day, but I remember it was a Wednesday night. I remember Jerry Savinsky praying, and I remember I came down to the altar, and I... Now, this is where it's really interesting. I don't think everyone has to have the same testimony. But let me tell you what I did. That night, I volunteered to be in full-time ministry. It wasn't that I went through a bunch of sicknesses, illnesses, accidents. I didn't fight. God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to do this. And then God had to do something to me to finally put me in there. That didn't happen with me. It does happen to other people. But that didn't happen to me. I remember I sat in preacher boys. And I remember there was this week that they had four speakers in the ministerial class. And all four of them started that their, their time speaking to the ministerial students about fighting God's will as a teenager. And that, that God had to do this and do that to get them. And I thought to myself, oh, maybe I shouldn't be in ministry because I want to be in ministry. I didn't have a testimony like that. But this is what I want you to hear because a lot of you may fit this. I volunteered for ministry when I was 19 years old at an altar. And I am so thankful that God has allowed me to stay in ministry. Now listen to me. If you came to me and you said, Brother Shetler, when were you called to preach? 
I don't believe this is true for everybody, but I'm just telling you the truth for me. I do not have a date, a service, or an event that I was ever called to preach. So Brother Scheller, you don't know that you're called to preach? Let me tell you what I believe. I believe that I volunteered for ministry as a sophomore in college, and God has allowed me to be in that ministry, and there has been such a passion and such a desire. I have never in my life had a greater passion than I do right now for preaching. But I cannot tell you that there was a service that I was called to preach. I volunteered for the ministry, and I said, God, if you can use me, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. Now, a lot of things about this thing, ministry, service. What's the difference between ministry and service? Usually when you think of ministry, you do think of preaching or declaring the gospel. And I think there's some great truth to that as well. Then everything else is your service for the Lord. I, I don't want to get messed up today and, and for the next three days about these two interchangeable words. I don't think there's a question that God wants you to serve him wherever that may be. There may be a good number of people in this auditorium that will never receive a paycheck for serving the Lord, that will never get a check account and never get a check made to their name because they're in ministry. You may be the, the, the supervisor of a nursery, you may be a deacon, you may end up, what, whatever it may be, you may be a bus director of a church, you may work in a children's program of a church and never get a paycheck for that. I understand that completely and I believe that does not deter the purpose of our college at all. Training laborers for the harvest. Because whether you get a paycheck, and we call that full-time ministry or not, you still have to be trained because all of us are going to serve the Lord. So what I'm going to talk about the next three days, say, you know, it really wasn't for me what Brother Shetler talked about because I don't think I'm going to be in full-time ministry. No, 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 no. We are all going to do something for the Lord. That's why you came to West Coast Baptist College. And this college... What this college does is train you to be laborers in the harvest. And I want to tell you this. If you get the principles from this college, and what I'm going to give in the next three days in chapel, or this morning, tonight, and then Friday, I'm going to tell you, I don't care if you end up being an engineer. If you take what you get in chapel in these three messages and what you're getting here at the college on being trained for, you're going to be the best engineer in the world. You're going to be the best police officer. In the, you're going to do the best in the military ever. These are, just, these are just bedrock what you've got to get. Now notice in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24 for just a moment. Paul says, but none of these things move me, neither count myself uh, count my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my, everyone together, what's the next word? Course. Good. That was good. That I may finish my course. Now I'll tell you this. This is why I'm preaching what I'm preaching, these next three things. That you may do it with what? Everyone together with 
joy. Say that joyfully, will you? Let me look, give you a little uh, a runway here. That I may finish my course with joy. joy. And the, oh, here's another word you got to say, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of this grace, uh, of the grace of God. All right, now, the text we're going to use, and so I, I want you to see that I want you to see that you finish your course, what God has for you with joy, and I just love that verse. But our text for these three messages is 2 Timothy chapter 2. So everybody, take your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading right away at verse number 19, and um, give you an illustration, and then we're going to have a word of prayer. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, there's one part in here I want you guys to say, okay? And it's going to be kind of the theme for the three messages. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Word there has the idea of shame. Now look at this next verse. This is going to be our text for three messages. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and, all right, I want everyone to say the next five words. Again, I'll lead it in, and then if you'd say the next five words, and then I'll finish the verse. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and everyone together. That's it, man. I want to be used by God. Meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that are called on the Lord out of a pure heart. Meet for the master's use. Okay, Brother Shetlar, you're the definition guy. What does that mean? It means being profitable. I am meat. I am profitable for God's use. So, this morning, I texted a guy. If you get a chance to get to know around here, he's really a cool guy. His name is Earl Husband. How many know Brother Husband? Okay, okay, now, like Brother Husband has been here like the entire history of the church. And he is like the maintenance guy of all maintenance guys. He's built everything. You know what I mean? He's just, he's the guy here, okay? Uh, Brother Earl, husband, uh, he just does everything around here. If it breaks, he fixes it. If it needs to be made, he makes it, okay? So I asked him this morning, here's the text I sent him. Crazy question, but do you have one tool that you value over, any, uh, over all others? You have it for, a, you've had it for a long time and you rely on it. It would be your go-to tool. Brother Husband texts back, 
I carry a Leatherman every day, even on Sunday. I use it multiple times every day. It is my pliers, it is my knife, it is my screwdriver, and sometimes it's my hammer. I can't live without it. I said, could I have it for this morning chapel? He struggled giving it to me for an hour. But I have Earl Husband's Leatherman. Now, the first thing I noticed, this is really cool, is it looks like other Leathermans. And I have to tell you this, you just look like other young people. Guys, it's not the way you look. It's not the abilities and talents you have. It's whose hand you're in that matters. This Leatherman is no different than any other Leatherman at Walmart or anywhere you go. This Leatherman doesn't look any different. It doesn't feel any different. But this Leatherman is Earl Husband's. And I just want to be God's Leatherman. I want to be meat for the master's use. In the master's hands, I want to be used every day. I want God to go, I want to go to my go-to Leatherman, Jim Shetler. I want so badly in my life to be used by God. Now, I'll tell you something, I love Marilee. And I cannot tell you how much I loved that woman before August 16th. I love her more now than then. But I'm telling you something, I love my wife. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with my wife. I wanted, I wanted to enjoy her emotionally, mentally, physically. I love Mary Lee. But can I tell you what we chose as our life verse together? Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Merrily and I absolutely loved each other. We have had a romantic love. We all of those things. But I will tell you, I married Merrily because I believe that she would make a great partner for me too in ministry. And Merrily and I have served 43 years. We have been in full-time ministry for the Lord, and it has been the greatest thing in the world. Now, what we're going to look at Today, and then tonight, and then Friday, we're going to look at three things. I believe there are three major um, areas, is the best word. I hate the word things, but I use it a lot. But three areas that will make you meet for the master's service. The three areas are your priorities, your purity, and your prize. Now, the way we're going to do this is today we're going to talk about your priorities in ministry. And wow, they're just huge. Tonight we're going to talk about your prize in ministry. I think you'll find it a little lighter, enjoyable, because it's great to be in ministry. And I want to talk to you about the two prizes in ministry, the souls of men and intimacy with the Lord. And it's just like the two greatest things in the world to be in ministry. And then I want to talk to you about purity on Friday. And you say, oh, that's the big one. You're going to really nail us on this purity thing. And I think we do, uh, we're going to talk about the, the negative of not being pure. Because you can lose your ministry by not being pure. But I want to tell you, the power source of ministry is your purity. 
The, the, the presence of God in your ministry is purity. We're not just going to look at the negative side of purity. That if you don't have purity, you're going to lose your ministry. That is true, by the way. I know many people today that are not in ministry today because they lost their purity. But I am telling you this, guys. There is a positive side of purity that is so positive, I think that you'll go away and go like, oh, I got to stay clean. I got to stay pure if I'm going to be meat for the master's use. So today, though, is about priorities. And uh, I'd like to ask the Lord to help us really get all this one's a little more, I don't know, technical, but there's a little bit more content and substance to this one. So you're going to have to listen on purpose today on your purities. We're going to look at the three big rocks in the jar of priorities. Um, and I think they'll be a great help to you. But let's ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we need your help this morning. We have got to understand the priorities that we should have in ministry. And Lord, I am claiming Matthew 6, that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added onto thee. Father, may we see the three big rocks of the priorities of ministry in our life. May we understand them and may we apply what we hear today. Father, I just don't think there's anything greater in life than to be your leatherman, than to be meat for the master's use. And Father, I think it's going to bring great joy to these college students to be. And Lord, I think now's the time they need to start this. Lord, the three points today under priorities, it isn't something when they graduate. It is right now. So in Jesus' name, may the Spirit of God really stir hearts today about the three priorities of ministry. Father, I believe that Pastor Clear was brought here yesterday to tell us ministry is great. Ministry is hard. You are faithful. I just think that was the perfect introduction. God, I sat, you know, Lord, I just sat with such excitement. And Lord, it seemed like you really put that on Brother Clear's heart, that he had other messages he thought about giving. But I think it was the introduction to what we're going to give. Father, I want to stop and tell you, thank you that ministry has been great. And Lord, you and I both know that in my life, ministry's been hard. But Father, I am so thankful you've been faithful. Now, Lord, may we understand this morning the priorities of ministry. I ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's servants and ministers said, look at the person next to you and say, get your priorities right. All right, so... You probably have either used this illustration or have seen this illustration. The way that I use it, I take a jar and I fill it up with popcorn. And I take three golf balls and I take the jar and it's all full of golf balls. And I take and I open the jar and I'm standing in front of little kids. This is great for children. What an object lesson. I do it with teenagers. I think I've done it in this college chapel in the last whatever years. But I take this jar, it's full of popcorn, and I take a, 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 a golf ball, and I try to get it into the jar. And I have three golf balls, and I'm trying to get them into the jar, and I can't get them in because it's full of, woo, it's full of popcorn. popcorn. Okay, 
So then I have a little bowl and I dump all the popcorn out. And then I drop in the three golf balls. And then magically, I pour all the popcorn back in. And when I pour all the popcorn back in, it fits. I put the top on. And you know, if you're doing it to kids or teenagers, they're going like, that's kind of cool. How's that happen? You know, and it's something, I have no idea, but it works, okay? And, uh, but, and then you teach Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Boom, boom, boom. The big rocks in the jar. And then all these things shall be added unto thee. So let me give you the three big rocks of priority in ministry, and they must occur in this order. You have to drop them in this order. You get this, this will help you the rest of your life. Here we go. Your three big rocks in the jar of ministry, your priorities. Number one, your roles. Number two, your attitude. And number three, your faithfulness. Guys, I've been in ministry for 43 years. There's not a lot of things I know about life. I don't know about investing. I don't know about scars. I don't know about a lot of things, but I know three things about ministry. The three priorities of ministry. Number one, you have got to know your roles. Number two, you have got to have the right attitude. And number three, when it's all said and done, students, it's your faithfulness more than anything else that matters in ministry. The three rocks in the jar of ministry, and I don't care if you ever get a paycheck or not. If you're the nursery supervisor one day, if you're running a bus one day, I don't care where it is, you gotta know your roles. You got to have the right attitude and you got to be faithful. Those are the three rocks of the jar in ministry. And then everything else will be added on to you. You'll get everything else in ministry if you get these three things. Let's talk about your roles. There's three things about roles. You list your roles, you learn your roles, and you love your roles. Now your roles are your responsibilities in life. Your roles are... Okay, so priority means the most important thing. It's going to be what you're going to put the most effort in. If it's a priority, it's the thing that you look at as this is the most important. This is the most important area of my life or whatever. So priorities are going to be your most of your effort, most of your time, and it's going to be what you consider the most important thing. With your roles, number one thing that every, all of you should be doing I don't care if you're a senior. I don't care if you're a freshman. List your roles, okay? I am a child of God, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the, everyone, sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So I'm a child of God. That is a role. Oh, it's got great privilege. It's got him great honor. I'm a child of the king, but it is a role that I have. And because I'm a child of the king, there's going to be responsibilities with that role. So number one, I'm a man of God. Oh, that's a good one too. Another role that I have is my gender. And can I tell you, there are only two of those. No, I mean this now. This is a very important, this is a very important listing of your roles. I happen to be a man. How many men do we have in here? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you are then female, okay? 
That's all there is, male and female. It is a role that you carry right now. I don't know if this is fortunate or unfortunate, but if you ask me right now, the top three messages, and I'm preaching at camps right now and the youth conferences, it's my message on gender distinction. I do, I never preach that message that I don't get young people and, and sponsors and pastors and youth pastors come to me and say, Brother Shelley, you have no idea what you just preached. Yeah, I think I do. Never did I think that I would have to have one of my main messages in my ministry is gender distinction. But that's the culture we live in right now. And let me tell you something. You are either a man or a woman in here. It is your role to be that man or to be that woman. And if you don't know what that means, get my tape on, on gender distinction. Okay, so anyways, uh, on how, or, or take Christian marriage in the home and we'll tell you all about it. All right, so, so we got, I'm a child of God. I'm a male or female. I'm a student at West Coast. Now listen, the only reason why you're in this room right now is because you're a student. That is a role. And it is a very important role. Um, it actually trumps a lot of other stuff in your life because you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for being a student. So in a way, that role is even more important than your employment. Now we're gonna talk about that next. But you wouldn't have that job unless you were a student at West Coast. So, okay, we're starting term B. Now listen to me. You're in ministry right now. Your ministry, the part of ministry that you're in right now is called preparation. And I will tell you, you cannot minister right if you are not prepared right. These students that have come through the college over the year, you know, I just don't think I need this Bible college stuff. I think I can just go out and serve. No. You have to get prepared. You have to get ready. So being a student here is a major role in your life. Then I do believe as you're, in, you're an employee. How, stand up if you have a job presently that you're getting paid for. Stand up right now if you're an employee at this moment. All right, that is amazing. Okay, that's almost the entire student body. Thank you, you may be seated. That is a role. You, you're either employed by the prayer line, you're employed by the insurance company, you're employed by McDonald's, you're employed, that is a, or you're employed in Blue Crew or whatever. That is a role that you have. You've got to list your roles. How many of you are roommates? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so that is a role. Being a roommate is a role. You, now, I got learn and love coming up, okay? But you need to list one of your responsibilities, one of your roles is being a roommate. And with that can, 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 can come great honor and real joy, and it also has responsibility with it. How many of you are room leaders? Raise your hand. Room leaders. Okay, that's a role that you carry. How many of you are officers of some sort? Student government, mission prayer band, collegian, you're an officer of some sort. Okay, that's a role that you have. Now in ministry, you first of all get your roles. You list them. Number two, you learn them. You learn about your role. Now, I want to tell you a cool story. So I come from a broken home. I come from a very dysfunctional family. 
My dad was in no way, I love my dad. I got to lead my dad to the Lord. My dad's in heaven today. My dad and my mom restored their relationship. They were both in my church that I pastored at the end of their lives. They're both buried together and they're both in heaven together. And that just excites me. But I'm telling you, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. Conflict was the key. My dad in no way, shape or form was the father or the husband as an example or a father that I should have had. I loved him, I was never bitter at him, but he was totally dysfunctional. So I knew that when I'm getting into this relationship with Mary Lee, I'm gonna be a husband. And by God's grace, I was hoping one day I'd be a father. So I had to learn about a role that I never saw exemplified. So I started using these, I started using these. And I started looking at marriages that I thought were good. I started looking at kids that I thought were good products and talked to mom and dad. How did you get those kids to turn out that way? Now, I'm not saying we did it. We knocked it out of the park. But I'll tell you something. People, I have three sons that are pretty well adjusted. They're passionate over the things of God. Where did we get? Well, I think it's God's grace without a question. But I'm going to tell you something. I observed, I asked, I learned, I'm going to be a husband one day. So how did these other guys do? Because they seem like they got a really good marriage. So you learn about your roles. You're a roommate. Find a guy or a girl who's a really good roommate. How do they do it? What, what makes them a good roommate? Ask questions, observe. Whatever you are, if you're an officer, Look at officers that are doing a good job. Observe them. You want to be a pastor one day. I'm telling you, I'd be watching Pastor Chapel a little bit. I'm, I'm just, I'm, you want to be an evangelist one day. I'd be tapping into this guy over here because you're going to have a role one day. And that role, you got to list your roles. You got to learn your roles. And everyone together, number three, you got to what? You got to love your roles because your roles are your identity. I love the roles that I have. I'll tell you, the, the hardest times in ministry is when you don't love the roles that you're in. Now, I say this a lot, and there's definitely truth to this. I don't think God made me to be the dean of students. And I'm very thankful that I'm not the dean of students right now. And there was a lot of hard things about being the dean of students. I think of a lot of it was more my problem, wasn't your fault. It was a lot of my, but I will also tell you this. There were things about the dean of students that already away six months that I will miss all of my life. There were things that, you know, the correction that you give and they receive it well, there is something about that. And that the way that you see them grow more in that correction than in any other way that you could have ever done in a classroom. I want to tell you, I have never had a role in ministry that I did not love and that I did not cherish. I loved everything I've ever done. Brother Shannon, what's the best time of your ministry? Yes. Yeah, I know, but what was your, when you were a youth pastor? Yes. Yeah, yeah, but when you were pastor, yes. When you did this, yes. When you were, yes. You gotta love your roles. I love being the husband of Mary Lee. I love being the father of Ben, Luke, and Drew. I love being a grandfather now. I love the role. Your roles are your identity. You list them. You learn about them. And let me tell you, you love your roles. Now you're coming into B, term B. 
What are your roles in Blue Crew? What are your roles? You find out your roles in ministry. You list your roles. You learn them and you love them. I cannot tell you how important that is. But then number two, if we're doing the rocks in the jar, you got to put your roles in first in your priorities. Number two is your attitude. Now, no one in ministry will ever determine your attitude but you, not even God, not even the Holy Spirit. There will only be one person in ministry that will ever determine their attitude, and that is you. Now, the attitude is so cool. And I, I just got this this week. Now, this whole message, I've never preached this before. And I'm just, I'm so, because you know what? You guys are training as laborers for the harvest. I don't care if you end up being in criminal justice. I don't care if you end up being in military. You still have to learn the principles because you're going to serve God all your life. You got to have the right roles and, 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 and you got to have the right attitude. And I love this. I think your attitude is determined by unconditional love. That determines your attitude. Now, let me tell you this. If you are in ministry because you feel like you have to, if you are in ministry because you're trying to prove yourself to God, if you are in ministry for some way, shape, or form trying to get favor from God, you're going to have a stinking attitude in ministry. You have to be in ministry because of God's unconditional love for you. I do not serve God because I have to. I serve God because I want to, because of what he's done for me. I, I, you, you got to get unconditional love. You have to understand God loves me no matter what happens in my ministry. No matter what I do, whether I come leave the pulpit today and say, man, I don't think that was a good message at all. That was a real flop. God still loves me. God still loves me no matter what. Because that unconditional love that you experience from God will give you the right attitude in ministry. Are we together? Do you understand how important that is, college student? Because some of you are struggling so hard and you won't last in ministry. Matter of fact, you're going to quit the college. And the reason is, you have tried so hard to prove yourself to God. You have got to understand that the right attitude in ministry comes from unconditional love. Now notice the next one. Uncontrollable joy. Now this is all about. Have you ever seen someone trying to be joyful? <laughs> it just doesn't work, does it? It's got to be uncontrollable. It comes out of the, uh, uh, I think it comes out of the unconditional love. It just comes out. Now, I want to say two things about me, all right? Number one, okay, I get it a lot of times. Brother Shatler, you are so excited and you're always so joyful. Okay, so my mother, my mother, yeah, well, my mother too. But my, my wife and my three boys will be the first to tell you, you know, he's not always joyful. Then following that would be Lauren Curtis, Crystal Krug, and Tim Bundy. They would be able to stand to justify, you know, I, I really love Dr. Shetler, but he's not always joyful. I will tell you that. And then there would be other people in here too that could do that, but I don't want that, okay. But most of the time people will come to me and they say, Brother Shetler, you are so joyful. What do you do? Well, let me, here's the big secret now today. Here, are you ready? I take a joy pill every morning at 8 a.m. And I take this joy pill and it makes me joy. No, that isn't. 
No, 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 I just tease it. I do joy exercises every morning. I do joy exercises. And I do these exercises. No, 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 no. You know what? Joy comes out of ministering to a God that loves you unconditionally. You have got to have the joy of the Lord be your strength. You cannot have, a, now, but I'll tell you how important joy is in the ministry. This is the coolest passage. Take your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Brother Shetler, joy is in the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's the coolest thing. De Deuteronomy chapter 28. So um, I would take one of my boys to camp every time I spoke at a camp. So I was speaking at the Bill Rice Ranch, and I took, it was the week Ben got to be with me. And we're driving up I-65, and I said, Ben, we need a verse for the week. Uh, what do you think we need a verse on? And Ben, I think, was like 10 years old. And he said, Dad, I think we need a verse like to be joyful. And I said, okay, that'll be really good. So get your, you know, he's got his little Bible. He's got his little concordance. I said, Ben, find a verse on joy. So it is not three minutes. He says, Dad, I got our verse. I said, really, where is it? He said, Deuteronomy. And I, I kind of chuckled, I'm driving. I, yeah. You didn't get our joy verse out of Deuteronomy. I said, go ahead, Ben. I, I just uh, entertain me here a little bit. Go ahead and read your verse. Listen to this verse. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Listen, look at verse 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart, for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies. I said, Ben, read that verse again to me. Dad, it says, because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies. I said, Ben, that is an incredible passage. I'll tell you why it's so incredible. Number one, it's found where? Old Testament. Who do they not have yet? Who do they not have dwelling in them? Holy Spirit. What did that teach me? I thought, whoa, you know what? Now we need, one of the fruits of the Spirit is the joy, is joy. There ain't no doubt about it. Your spirit fill, you'll have joy. But is it not interesting that God commands them before they have the Holy Spirit, hey, if you don't serve me with joy, it is not only what you do in ministry, it's how you do it that matters. And I'm going to tell you something, gang. Some of you, it would be good if you were not in ministry because of your attitude. It would be good that you didn't go to Cactus Kids. It would be good that you did not go to the nursery. It would be good that you did not work on the hunt because your attitude stinks. Now, let me tell you something. You are the one that determines your attitude. Nobody else does. And you decide, now I think it comes out of the unconditional love. You stay in the unconditional love of God for you and you're going to have uncontrollable joy and it's going to be done by the unspeakable grace of God. Because when it's all done, you're going to go, okay, if I had any joy, that was not me, that was God's grace. Because how in the world could I have ever had joy doing that every day all summer long or doing Jewish every day? How did I have that great attitude all summer long? That is not you, that was the grace of God. And I want to tell you right now, your attitude depends on the unconditional love of God determines it. Uncontrollable of joy, uncontrollable joy describes it and unspeakable grace directs it very quickly. Yeah, I got just a couple minutes. Let's go to, uh, okay, this is the third rock in the jar of your priorities. In, in ministry, 
your priorities are your roles, your attitude towards those roles, and number three, your faithfulness. The longer I serve in ministry, the more I am convinced it is not talent, it is not ability, it is not skill, it's faithfulness. It's just being faithful in whatever God's called you to do. Now, I wrote down, I had a lot of fun in doing this, I wrote down the enemies of faithfulness. Brother Shiller, why are people not as faithful as they ought to be? Oh, I think you could continue on the list, but let me just go over some of these. Here are the enemies that destroy faithfulness in a servant of God. Number one, zeal over preparation. That would be a great time to amen. But anyway, that's okay. Zeal over preparation. Here's what an enemy of faithfulness is. They get all excited, but they never prepared. So they don't stay with it because there wasn't the proper preparation. That's why it is so important that you stay in college and you get your degree and you make it all the way across. Because it isn't about the zeal that you come to West Coast in. It's about being prepared. That's going to keep you faithful for God. One of the great enemies of faithfulness is zeal without preparation. Um, uh, uh, over preparation. Number two, this, this kill of faithfulness, bigger and better. See, we've got this mentality that no matter what we did, we did a banquet, it's got to be bigger and better. Mary Lee has really been about this. Now, I just think her thing, it's a nautical theme, and I just think her centerpieces and all the girls really helped her. I just think, I said, Mary Lee, I think these are the most beautiful centerpieces you've ever made. And the girls, a bunch of girls helped and everything like that. But you know what? Mary Lee says over and over, you know, Jim, I am not trying to do bigger and better every, every, every banquet. If I did that, I would be all stressed out. And I couldn't be, now she didn't use this word, I'm going to use this word. I wouldn't be faithful in doing what I'm going to do if I'm always under the pressure of bigger and better. So let's do something today, servants of God. Get rid of that philosophy. It does not always have to be bigger and it does not always have to be better. You don't have to have a bigger Sunday than the one the year before. You don't have to do something. Listen, you don't, it is an enemy to being faithful if you're under the pressure that this has got to be bigger and better than the last one. This hunt's got to be bigger and better than last year's hunt. And if you do that, you won't be found faithful in what God's called you to do. You just be faithful and let God take care of the rest. Okay, so zeal over preparation, bigger or better, good instead of best. Now, this is interesting. Isn't this a contradiction to it? No, no, not a contradiction at all. Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. I'll tell you what helps you on faithfulness is that you're never satisfied with good and you're always working for the best. That doesn't mean it has to be bigger and better, but you are going for excellence. God, I want what I do to really... So I just preached... Now I'm going to have a post-mortem and I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to ask my wife, how, did, how was that message? What could I have done better? What, I'm, going to, I'm going to look at the video of that message. Okay, so I want to be a teacher. I'm going to videotape my teaching. I want to do better. I want to, that's great for faithfulness. You, you, you want to, don't accept, oh, you know, that was good. That was okay. Because I'll tell you what, you're not going to be a faithful servant if it was, oh, that, you know what, that path, it's okay. That's good enough. no. No, no, no. God deserves our very best. And I don't think that compromise or that conflicts with bigger and better. Number four, 
Desire to be a star rather than a light. I like this one. Okay, so this was a real problem with me, and I think it affected my faithfulness for a while. I've got to do great things for God. You know what, Jim? Just be a light. You don't have to be a star. And gang, you don't have to be a star for Jesus. Just be a light for them. You don't have to be, I, I just, it's just got to be, you got to be this hero in, in, in the ministry. No, you don't have to be a hero in the ministry. You just have to be a light. Yeah, you'll understand that later on down the road. Just write it down right now. Number five, feelings over faith. You will never be faithful if you live off your feelings. You will not stick with anything if you live off your feelings. You, 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 it, the enemy of faithfulness is feelings over faith. And then here's an enemy of faithfulness. Immediate reward over eternal value. We're going to talk about the prize tonight. And I'll tell you, one of the great prizes in ministry is that you're going for an eternal goal, not a temporal things. And we'll talk about that tonight, but immediate reward. Okay, so Brother Shuttler, it's uh, time is up. So you gotta tell us, how do you develop faithfulness? Okay, here's how it's not that hard. Number one, you take obedient steps. Whatever you're supposed to do today, do it, obedient steps. Number two, resolve the calling. I am called to this role. This is my responsibility, I'm called to this. Number three is strong character, especially in the area of humility. And then I really love this last one. This is what's going to develop faithfulness is deep faith in God. That you rely and you rest in God every day. So, um, Brother Shetler, why are you doing what you're doing right now? I want to tell you. So I'm in Temple Baptist with Dave Pittman last October. Or, no, 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 a year ago, a year and a half ago. And I'm doing a, a week of meetings. And uh, so I ask him, he's a, he's a widower. He's just about to get married. So I ask him how he was doing in the ministry and pastoring as a widower. And then he says, hey, Jim, let me ask you something. How are you doing at West Coast? How long do you think you'll be at West Coast? And I said, well, I don't know. I love West Coast. I love the student body. I love who I work with. But, and then he said this. He said, it's not sustainable, is it, Jim? And I said, yeah. But that's what my wife keeps saying. So, so, so Dave, what does sustainability mean? What does it mean to be sustainable? He thought for a moment, was totally silent in his truck. And then he said, you know, Jim, I think sustainability would be doing what God has called you to do faithfully and with joy. And I went, wow, where'd you get that? Did you just come up with that? He said, yeah, I think sustainability would be doing what God has called you to do with faithfulness and joy. And I said, I gotta tell you something. I don't think I'm faithful as student activities director. I don't think I'm faithful as a dean of students. I don't think I'm faithful in my administrative response. I don't think I'm faithful as a teacher. And I, and I feel like I'm losing my joy, Dave. He says, it's not sustainable, is it? And I said, no, and I want to tell you this. I want to finish well so badly. I want to finish. I don't know what I got. I don't know how many years I got. I don't know when the Lord's coming back. But everything now is focused on one word, faithfulness. I want to finish well. And I'm going to tell you, you will not finish well if what you're doing is not sustainable. You have got to be doing what God has called you to do, not what all man calls you to do. Now, I want to tell you this, gang. 
in ministry, you have got to have the right priorities. They are the big rocks in the jar. And here are the three priorities. You have got to have your roles. You got to list them, you got to learn them, and you got to love your roles. Then you got to have the right attitude. Some of you have a stinking attitude right now. You're the only one that can, you'll go back to the unconditional love of God. Then see, then you'll begin to bubble an uncontrollable joy. And it's all because of an unspeakable grace. And then you determine, God, I don't have to be bigger and better. I don't have to do, God, I just need to be found faithful. You've called me to be a student. Me being a student at West Coast may mean B's. For my roommate, I think it means A's. But for me, it means C's and B's. But I'm going to be faithful. God, I have a blue crew job. Some of these guys got the coolest jobs in the world on the campus. But my job, my role is blue crew. And I just want to be found faithful in being blue crew. And I'm going to tell you, you will find if you begin to have the right priorities in ministry, that hard part, you will find God to be faithful. And he will, you know what? I want to do this the rest of my life. As a sophomore in college, I came down and I said, God, I want to be in ministry the rest of my life. And the Lord's allowed me to be in ministry. You got to get the right priorities. Some of you do not have the right priorities.